Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up 7, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by 7 points at any time during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right. Welcome everyone to the PJ's Cast. I'm your host, Pierce Shong, set of my good pals, Jacob and Ampy. We have a very special guest today here. We have Brock Otten of McKean's Hockey. How's it going, Brock? Good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, of course, thanks for coming on. So before we get into any of the questions, how was your uh, vacation that you were on for the past week? Oh, it was good. I was in uh, Cape Cod with some friends. I've been to Boston many times but never actually spent time uh, or extended time anyway in the cape so yeah it was cool it was good weather was good beaches were good can't complain about that oh that's good to hear were you in montreal for the draft yeah i was yeah oh yeah, yeah. i was with yeah. my other friend too and i just want to say how ask how was montreal because i we had a blast there ah it was great like, yeah it was great yeah. i mean i wish the draft could be held in montreal every year although i mean nashville's oh, not, awesome. not a bad yeah. place for it next year but uh yeah montreal is such a great city uh so many good things to do and um you know everything is so accessible when the draft is held at the bell center there it's just it's just so easy so yeah it was a great time great draft too i mean it was great to to have everything sort of back to normal in terms of coverage so yeah were there some uh, places you tried for foods? There was one place that we went to. I don't know if you went to. It was called Dunn's. It was a poutine place. I had a, I got a poutine and like a, a Montreal uh, smoked steak sandwich. It was so good. Yeah, yeah. I've actually I've been to Dunn's before, but uh, oh, yeah. not this trip. Uh, this time uh, I didn't go out to dinner all that much. We went to one place that's one of my favorites there. It's uh, Crescent Burger Bar. Um, that's a good one. Um, otherwise, kind of just ate what they what they gave us. Uh, for the media portion i mean free food is is uh sometimes good too yeah. um although i did get tired of the uh, bell center hot dogs by the end of the trip i'll tell you that much <laughs> yeah definitely i would like to go back to montreal just like even if there isn't a draft there just as like a just as like a regular trip so yeah i was glad to, to hear that you enjoy montreal because i went with my other podcast host who can make it today but uh, we had a, we had a blast there um so now that we're kind of done asking those questions um we're gonna get into the the uh, the serious questions i guess um kind of on that topic still the 2022 draft i wonder what you thought were some of the big winners of that day uh well the one that really i guess both days yeah yeah no i know you're i know you meant i think the big one that really jumps out is is seattle i really like what they were able to do i mean they had quite a few picks and uh 
it feels like they were really able to to bring in a lot of talent to help their system out. Uh, I think, you know, I think they had a pretty good first year uh, for their draft, but this year I think they, they definitely stole the show and, you know, they were able to get right at four, which I think is a great fit for them. You know, they're set mm-hmm. down the middle with an ears and right, hopefully anyway, uh, for the next little bit. And they can focus on building out the rest of that roster moving forward. And I think they did a really good job, obviously, Maybe there's a little bias there because Ontario is the region that I do primarily cover, and <laughs> they did uh, poach the OHL quite a bit. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I just really like what what they were able to do with with so many picks. Uh, I think Montreal mm-hmm. is another obvious winner. Obviously, with the draft being held in Montreal, you knew they were going to do something, and uh, getting Slaff is is great, obviously for them. And um, I think they made some really good picks in some of the later draft or later rounds as well. And obviously, we're we're active on the trade front, so. I think they had a strong draft, and um, I think those are the two that, that really stood out for me. Okay, and conversely, like, what, what did you think were kind of some of the losers or at least could have done better with their drafts? Uh, that, that's such a loaded question. It's a, it's a tough one, right? Because, you know, you could say right now that you didn't really like some of the, the picks that a team made, and in two years time that might not be the case right um mm-hmm. you know kind of look at how everybody crapped on the ottawa senators draft uh last year right because of the boucher selection and then some of the other players that they took and you know the second mm-hmm. and earlier rounds um you know and now some of those picks are, are looking a little bit better zach Lestapchuk just made team canada so some of those picks are, are starting to look a little bit better i, I think the one team that I think maybe could have done better is Arizona. They had so many picks and they ended up, you know, <laughs> making some trades that I think were kind of questionable in terms of what they got for the opportunity to sort of move up. And then the players that they took with some of those selections to move up. Um, you know, I think it was a very, very risky draft for them. I think other than Cooley, I think they, they really sort of swung for the fences on a lot of their picks. Um, mm. And, you know, in a few years, I mean, that draft had the opportunity to really change the fortunes of that franchise, right? With so many picks in the top 50, if they had hit on half of those, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I think it really would have turned that franchise around. And uh, I think that the sort of consensus on the floor too at the draft was, was a little bit of disappointment on, on how they sort of approached those picks, but ultimately we'll find out in, you know, five years or so, but if I had to to pick a team that I was kind of underwhelmed with, it would probably be Arizona based on, you know, just how many selections they had at their disposal. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of framed it the wrong way. I think that I think the better way would have been asked like what was kind of underwhelming. Cause again, you can't say, Oh, that's a bad draft. These are all young kids and like things can change in the next few years. But like at the same time, like if a team goes off the board a couple of times, especially in the first round, you're kind of like, hmm, maybe they could have gone for this guy or whatever. But again, that's the, it's the whole point of the draft. You draft and like you, you're never gonna be able to tell right off the bat. Like sometimes you don't know for five or even maybe even ten years if you got the the right players. So yeah, and, and it's very subjective too, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, you know, I might say that I didn't like Arizona's draft, but if you had a couple other people on, they might say the opposite and say that they really mm-hmm. liked what Arizona did, right? By adding Cooley and you know taking a chance on a guy like Julian Lutz and taking a chance on Duda and and some of the other guys that they brought in. So. Um, you know, it, it is, it's very subjective, uh, especially this early. So, um, yeah, it, it is, it's a tougher question. Of course. All right. I'll give the, I'll give the floor to one of you guys. I've been doing all the talking. So. Um, 
this is kind of in the same vein, but a little different. Was there a pick specifically in the first round that kind of like surprised you, or you know, like you that guy fell that much, or that guy went that high? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, being on the floor, it was kind of a, a very interesting perspective because um, a lot of the stuff is being chatted about. Um, so a guy like Reed Schaefer, for example, right? Yeah. Um, that one might have been shocking if that wasn't sort of the buzz around Montreal on the weekend that there were teams that had him sort of ranked in that first round range. So when he did go, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense, right? The same with Brad Lambert falling. That was another one that was sort of widely debated um, in Montreal over that weekend. And to see him fall the way to, to Winnipeg at the end of the first round there wasn't ultimately that shocking. Um, I, I do think the Shane Wright going at four was sort of the, the big one. Um, I think that even up right up to when Montreal selected, I don't think any of us really knew what they were going to do. And that's kind of rare. Sometimes that sort of stuff does tend to leak out. And we were all sort of like, you know, what's, what's going to happen? Like it's, they were pretty tight lipped about it. The one thing that we did sort of have an idea of uh, from talking to people is that Arizona um, and New Jersey were not extremely high on Shane Wright. So that there was that chance that if Montreal didn't take him, that maybe he was there for Seattle. But, you know, how it all ultimately played out, you know, was kind of shocking, um, especially given, you know, where we've been with Wright for the last three or four years. Um, I don't want to use the word fall from grace, but, um, you know, he has been a very hyped player for for a long Mm -hmm. time. And um, anytime that that sort of thing happens, I remember when Jay Bomeister fell, um back in the day i forget what draft was out 2003 maybe or 02 yeah (laughs) yeah that was a long time ago but i mean the same sort of thing happened there and ultimately it worked out pretty well for jay bonister and i think it will for for shane wright um i'm sure he's probably disappointed but i do think that that's a really 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 good spot uh for him to start his career um Mm -hmm. yeah I, i would say that that the right one is probably the biggest one that stands out yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, like you said, uh, maybe fall from grace isn't the best kind of term, but he was the most hype guy for almost two years going into this draft, and to see him go to fourth is kind of crazy. Um, and I agree with you on the the Schaefer pick. I know when that happened, Twitter kind of exploded because everyone was like, Edmonton, this is your chance, and then they took him, and everyone was going, what are you doing? Um but yeah, uh, the only other one to me was, again, you were on the floor, so maybe it's a bit different, but a lot of people had uh, Kamel going a lot higher than to Nashville. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely one that fell a little bit. Same with Yuri Kulich. Um, those two kind of fell um, maybe a little bit lower than the consensus rankings had them. And it was kind of a situation where we're all sort of standing there being like, okay, you know, when when's it going to be Kemmel? When's it, when's it going to be Yuri Kulich? Um and yeah, I think that there's some logical reasons why that those happened. Um, you know, I think with with Kemmel, I think the big thing is, you know, is he going to be able to sort of get inside at the NHL level? I think the same would be said about Yuri Kulich. Um, I think that Nashville made a great pick with Kemmel. I, I do like him, and I, I think the Sabres made a great pick with with Coolidge uh, as well. Um, I think both those guys will end up working out really well for those organizations. Mm-hmm. But those were two other guys that that sort of fell uh, a little bit lower than than we had them at McKean's, and, and a lot of people had them in terms of a, a consensus as well. Mm-hmm. No, that that's fair. Yeah, um, 
that was the only real question I had regarding this draft. Uh, MP, did you have anything you wanted to ask? No, I didn't have anything ready quite yet. I'm still. That's all fair. good. Do you think the uh, height? Yeah. Do you think the height thing with uh, Joachim Kamel had to do anything with his drop? Because I remember there was like a thing where it's like, oh, he's like five eleven, then he got measured, and he was like five nine and like three quarters. Do you think that had anything to play with him potentially dropping? I think unquestionably it did. Yeah, I really do. Um, and, and it's not like a, a deceitful thing. It's not. It's not in that front. It's just the way that Kemmel plays. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that when you've got a difference uh, of a couple inches there, uh, obviously he could still hit a bit of a growth spurt. But I, I do think it, it definitely probably played into the minds of of some of the NHL scouting organizations there, and um, you know help them sort of make up their mind on whether they were going to select him or not or, or use that high of a selection on him when once some of the other guys were available that they really liked or maybe equally liked um like i said with, with kemmel obviously that the shot um is is his is his best skill right um yeah. you know there's room for improvement in some other areas um and I do think that there are is some concern even before when he was measured in that sort of just under six foot range uh, as to whether he'd be able to get into the middle of the ice of the NHL level. Um, and, you know, you make him even smaller. And I think those those concerns become even larger. So I, I do think that that played into it. Gotcha. So, That's yeah, it's kind of to wrap up the 2020 draft, I guess, and then we'll get on to the 2023 draft because I think that's what everyone's excited for, including us, because I'm a Blackhawks fan, Jacob is a Sabres fan, and then MP is a Coyotes fan. I feel like me and MP, like, in particular, are going to be watching for for this upcoming draft because our teams are not going to be very well. Buffalo might take a bit of a step, but there's also a good chance where they don't make the playoffs and they're getting another Probably still pick top 10, yeah. <laughs> so, um. And, so what and you're again, what you're saying is that MP watches every draft with a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, yeah, I love I just, him. Like, <laughs> a lot of intrigue. <laughs> yeah, but all of our teams had three first round picks this year, so um, I just wanted to think what what like what you thought about the Blackhawks first round because obviously you can bring the trades into it, but I feel like just like object, like just from a pure like draft standpoint, I wonder. how how you think they did with their first day and their and their second day as well and kind of same thing with the Sabres I feel like we kind of already, already touched on the Coyotes but yeah I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on that yeah I mean I do like what what the Hawks did uh I think I was a little bit surprised um with the direction that they went I, I don't think I really expected them to go after Krichinski um, I don't know either. Uh, I thought I think... that was that was a bit shocking, but I do think it's it's a good pick. I think that when we're looking at upside uh, on the blue line, he was one of the higher upside guys. I think that there is some inherent risk with him as to you know how good of a defender he's actually going to be. But when you look at some of the other players that they have in their pipeline, you know you've got Del Mastro, you've got Regula, you've got Alex Vlasic, right? You've got a lot of guys that have that sort of big size profile. Um, probably project more as uh, I wouldn't say the word defensive specialist because obviously those guys do have some offensive skill as well. But I think adding somebody like Korczynski into the organization ultimately did make some sense. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, also with, with Nazar, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan. Um, I think that <laughs> I think that he has a lot of potential as well. And I think that just like Korczynski, that's a, uh, you know, it's it's a swing for the for the fences, right? Uh, another guy that has among the highest offensive ceiling of 
of any player I would say available in 2022. Um, again, I think that there is some sort of inherent risk there. Uh, I think that there is a chance that, that maybe his game doesn't translate quite as well. I mean, is he going to be a winger? Is he going to be a center? You know, what's his game going to look like at the NHL level? Um, and then Sam Renzel um, was a big, we were big fans of his at, at McKean's. Uh, I think there's another guy with, with massive upside, but is going to be somebody who's going to be a bit more of a long-term play, obviously coming out of high school. Um, so he's going to take a while, but I, I do think that there's upside there. I, I think they did a great job. Um, Lewinsky is, a, is another guy that stands out from the OHL. Uh, he was one of my personal favorites from the OHL for, for this draft crop. Um, I think even if his offensive game doesn't really develop, I think you've got a possible sort of third line player, <laughs> excuse me, that could, uh, that could have an impact. And I think they've set themselves up, uh, really well for, for that nice little rebuild that they're going to be taking, uh, or entering into this year um, because obviously with the moves that they've made, the the plan is to not be very good uh, this year. And I think, uh, I think we, we start the Bedard sweepstakes, uh, but even if they don't end up with Bedard, I think that this draft was, it was a good start in getting him in the right direction. Oh yeah. And kind of transition in that, that 2023 draft class. And like, obviously the, the main prize is Connor Bedard and, I, really watching like the draft lottery that day when, when they pulled it and to see who gets number one that's going to be like so crazy it's going to be great to see everyone's reactions on twitter on how that goes down but i feel even if you drop to like even if you drop like out of the top three because i feel like the consensus top three is bedard mitchkoff and fantelli there's still some great players at the top of the class that could potentially emerge and even be better than we thought so what are what are some of the players that you think a gun for the, the top fives? Because again, I think the top three is picking up, but like the I feel like the fourth and the fifth spots are up for grabs, and there's a lot of talented players that could really step up this year and make a name for themselves. Yeah, I mean the the West looks incredible. When I say the West, then I'm talking oh, about the WHL. WHL, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah such a such a good hard. crop for them. Um, they're gonna have some players that that push into that sort of uh top seven, eight range if they're not there already. I, uh, Braden Yeager is one that that really stands out. I thought uh, he had a pretty good Ivan Holinka or Holinka Gretzky, whatever you want to call it, um, mm -hmm. for Canada. And he's the type of player that projects really well uh, as a pro, I think, because he's got a really well-rounded game, skates well, shoots well. I mean, there's, I think there is a little bit of room for him to improve as a decision maker with the puck. Um, I, I think that his his awareness off the puck is a lot better than with it at, at times. Um, but that's nitpicking. And I think he's going to have a big year. And I think that he's somebody who's going to push up there. Um, and I think there's a bunch of guys from the dub, but you've obviously got Riley height uh, as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's somebody that is that same sort of type of player competitive center that, that, you know, doesn't really have uh, a significant weakness. I think there's ultimately going to be a defender that pushes their way up into that like sort of top seven, eight mix. Uh, if I was a betting man, it would probably be Cam Allen. Um, obviously maybe I'm a bit biased there being from again, the OHL region, but uh, I think he's one of the better young defenders that we've had from the league in some years. And uh, I think he definitely projects as a, as a top pairing guy. And I think if he has the kind of year that I expect him to, I think he's going to push his way up there because you know that somebody is going to want to to grab a defender, especially with Al, uh, Cam Allen being a right shot guy. So uh, if he plays well and, and 
the projection sort of sticks with him being that top pairing guy, a top pairing right shot defender. It's going to look mighty enticing to some of those teams sort of picking in that, that top range. Um, obviously uh, the Mishkov thing is, is going to be really interesting to see how that sort of unfolds with everything that's happening in Russia and um, you know, what his contract situation looks like. And, uh, teams are going to probably have to to wait for him, um, you know, the way that Minnesota did for Kaprizov. But obviously, it was worth the wait uh, with him being such a good young player in the NHL. And uh, but when you're picking in that top five range, is is a team going to want a more immediate impact player, especially in a in a really 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 strong draft year? And I mean, you look at drafts a year out, right? And um, there's usually quite a few players that that stand out. But this year, it just, it's just uh, the depth is really, really good. And that's without, you know, the players that are going to jump up uh, with strong seasons who are going to come out of nowhere, for lack of a better term. Um, so I'm really excited about this this crop in general, um, uh, especially from the WHL, like I said. I feel like even with just Bedard from the WHL, that would be like a banner year for them. But they have like several guys that could potentially push for the top 10 and like top five, even and like a lot of other guys that could work their way into the first round. Like it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, again, I want to give the floor to one of you guys, Jacob Rampy. Do you guys have any questions? Um, uh, I was going to talk about the WHL, but, uh, you already went over that. Um, yeah. Braden Yeager, Zach Benson look great. Um, it, hypothetically, let's say, Mitch Cobb was to drop. Do you think like what's the lowest he could fall to? I think it really, opinion? yeah. You know what? That's kind of hard to say right now, just because it really mm-hmm. depends on the kind of year that he has, right? Um, Fair, yeah. Obviously, I think most of us are anticipating he's going to have a really good year in the in the KHL, mm-hmm. and um, but but who knows? I know that there yeah. are some people out there who are concerned about you know, kind of like what we just talked about with some of the other guys that, that fell this year, right? There is some concern about his ability to sort of make his way and play through the middle of the ice. Um, and that's going to be something he's going to have to do at the KHL level, uh, playing against men. Um, and yeah. if that becomes something that scouts are slightly concerned about, that might cause him to fall more when you add in the whole, you know, Russian factor, yeah. Uh, his contract factor, the lure of the the KHL, um, how long teams are going to have to wait for him. If he plays really well, um, and we're still talking about him as a, as a top prospect, I I don't see him falling out of the say like top five or six. I just don't. Okay. Uh, if he plays well, somebody in that top five or six is going to say, "Hey, look, like we're just going to take him, and when he comes, he comes." And um, It'll probably be a team that is probably at the start of their rebuild because they don't care. They're not going to be, yeah, like Chicago, right? Like somebody who is saying, you know, we're in year one or two of a five-year rebuild. So if he shows up Mm -hmm. in year five, um, it's going to be perfect timing for us, right? Mm -hmm. um, Whereas if it's teams that are wanting to get out of the rebuild stage, let's say another team like New Jersey, right? I don't think New mm-hmm. Jersey wanted to draft second this year. They're a team that wants to get out of that rebuild phase. They want to take that next step forward, right? Yeah. Um, and if New Jersey is in the bottom five again next year, and there are some of these concerns with with his contract, you know, that might be a situation where they say, like, we want somebody that's going to help us in two years, not five, um, because mm-hmm. that just fits our sort of 
timeline for the rebuild that we've started and want to finish right um so yeah but again i, I just don't see it if if he's as talented as as he's shown so far uh somebody will, will take him regardless of what the situations are no that that's totally fair um he also picked up a knee injury, right? He's going to be out for two months, or I guess it's like a month now because it was a little. Yeah, bit it's kind of sketchy. Originally, it looked not great, and then they were saying two months, mm -hmm. and then it was like, okay, now it's going to be maybe a couple weeks, and it's just like, who? I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. that that's something that could linger, um, depending mm -hmm. on the severity of it. So that's something to monitor for sure. Um, but it does look like or sound like he's sort of avoided any sort of serious injury, which which is obviously great because that would have been yeah, devastating if he had, mm -hmm. you know, uh, suffered a torn ACL or something in, in the preseason there and then been done for the year. Uh, that would have thrown mm -hmm. quite the wrinkle into uh, into the 2023 draft. Absolutely. Um, Andy, I want to do the four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do I have something ready for this one with, um, I guess, such great skater depth. When do you think a team is going to take a goalie or how early? Yeah, so right now it looks like Scott Ratzlaff is probably the top goalie for, for this class. I, I know there's a few others that, that have shown reasonably well, but I think based on what he showed at the Holinka um, and you know, even going into the Holinka, he was considered one of the top ones. Um, I would say he's probably the top of the class uh, right now. With how deep and strong this draft is, I wouldn't say a goalie cracks the first round. Um, I think mm -hmm. I think that it's definitely looking like a better group than, than this past year's, which I would say is probably the worst group of goaltending prospects I've ever seen for a draft. Um, so uh, 2023 is already looking better. Um, that said, uh, I would be shocked if, if a goalie cracked the first, even Ratzlaff, you're looking at a guy who we're not talking about a six foot five, you know, 200 pound athlete. Ratzlaff is just over sort of that, like reasonable cutoff that scouts seem to have made up, um, where they start to start or start to ignore, uh, goaltending prospects. Right. So he's just over that cusp, but uh, I think that, um, He's probably number one right now. Okay, so Brock's power just went out. Um, we'll we'll try to wrap. This is like the way. second time this. Uh, I think I was on with like the hockey writers guys or something when this exact same yeah. thing happened. It was like during a storm because it's it's storming here now. So oh, uh, okay. the mm. storm must have knocked out the power. I guess uh, it oh, happened yeah. uh, when I was on with the hockey writers too. And then just mm. as I got back on, two of those guys lost their power. So it's just like <laughs> I don't have good luck with. Uh, the power outages in these podcasts. Sorry, guys. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's okay. We'll wrap, we'll wrap it up as quickly as we can here. So um, what are some – I feel like every year, if you, like, pay attention to the draft, like, I feel everyone has, like, their kind of favorite players. Like, this past year for me, I really like Jagger, Perkis, Lane Hudson, and Philip Mashar. And I feel like I gravitate, gravitate to more of these, like, smaller skilled players. And I'm just wondering for this class, like, what are some of the players that you really – like I guess like are gravitating towards who like, like slash want to succeed or whatever. Yeah. So the first one I already mentioned would be Cam Allen. Um, like yeah. I said, I, I really liked what I saw from him in his 16 year old season with Guelph. thought he was one of the better 16 year old defenders that's played in the league and in some time. Um, and um, uh, uh, gone. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he just lost too. Um, oh man. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Cam Allen for sure is one that stands out. Um, I thought he had a really good Holinka for, for Canada um, mm -hmm. as the captain. 
Uh, I don't think he was was amazing at the event, but I think he was solid, and I think he's going to have a really good year for Guelph. And I think that right now he he's my favorite defender in, in the class. So um, definitely uh, he's the first one that sort of stands out for that. Um, uh, Jacob mentioned Zach Benson. Um, mm-hmm. He's somebody that uh, I really liked watching yeah. Winnipeg last year. Um, I, I thought that he was better than, than Savoy and better than Geeky on a lot of nights that I watched Winnipeg. And mm-hmm. um, I, I thought he was great at the Halinka and I thought he was great at the camp and uh, pretty much been great anytime I've ever watched him. Um, and I think that uh, he's somebody I could see sort of becoming my, my favorite of this class. I just think that he thinks the game at, at such a high level. Um, you can just tell that he's just one step ahead of, of everybody else out there. And um, I think he's going to have a, a really, really big year in the WHL. And I think he's going to sort of push himself up into that that top five range. Um, yeah, uh, those are the first two that sort of that stick out for me uh, as as early sort of favorites. Um, from, from the OHL, uh, one name that I'll throw out at you um, is Bo Aiki. Uh, he was probably, I think he was going to be on the Halinka team. Um, but then he suffered an injury at the very beginning of camp. Um, oh, yeah. and, you know, wasn't able to participate. So obviously wasn't able to make the team. Um, but I think he's somebody that could have a really big year in Barry. A uh, really mobile defender. Sort of that uh, modern pro style. Um, I think he can be an impact player at both ends. And I think that he's somebody that uh, you know is going to do really well behind Brant Clark, if he's back in Barry this year. Um, and uh, I think he's somebody who's going to push his way sort of up the draft list uh, from the OHL. Okay. Um, uh, I had one, I had yeah, one question yeah. about an OHL player. Um, I've heard his name. I think a lot of people are just gravitating towards him because of the funny last name. What do you think about Quentin Musty? Yeah, so Musty is a guy that's going to frustrate scouts uh, this year a lot. Uh, there's a really high skill level. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that package of, of size and skill is going to be very, very enticing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's a lot of concerns about, you know, his ability to process the game, um, his ability to engage physically consistently. Um, yeah. you know, I think that there's room for improvement as a skater. Um, so there's, there's a really high upside, but then there's a lot of mm-hmm. things that I think scouts are going to be really looking for, for him to improve this year with Sudbury. Um, and I say frustrating because, you know, he's the type of guy that, you know, makes or has like one really, really good shift where he makes a couple great reads and makes a couple of really good passes. And then the next shift, um, you know, commits a really bad offense, his own turnover, just because he does, he fails to identify, uh, you know, a defender stepping into the lane or, or something mm-hmm. happening. Um, so it's just going to be really interesting to see how his game develops this year. If he plays really well, he's going to go high because, you know, he has that sort of rare blend of, of size and skill that, that I mentioned earlier. Um, if he struggles, you know, I think back to somebody like Brandon Saad um, in his draft year and how he sort of came into the year with a lot of hype and came in as a, as a potential sort of top 10 selection, didn't have a great year for some of the same reasons that I just mentioned about Quentin Musty. Um, obviously, Saad's had a, had a good NHL career, not, not, a, not a great one, but he's become a, a very stable NHL player. So, um, yeah, yeah, Quentin Musty is definitely going to be one to watch this year from the OHL. Okay, awesome. MP, do you have any uh, last questions? No, I had my one. 
Okay. I, have, I have one more quick one before you go. You mentioned briefly about the last year's goalie drafts. As a Sabres fan, I, I didn't know much about him when he was drafted. What are your thoughts on Topi- or to- Topias? Topias Thank you. <laughs> the first goalie to go. I, I thought they should have went different, but I, I just I need some sort of scout on him. Yeah, so... We weren't uh, the biggest fans of his at McKean's, but we didn't really have any goalies ranked highly. Um, Linen was our, our highest ranked goalie, but not until the end of the sort of third round range. Um, you know, talking with, with a lot of people leading up to the draft, that was sort of like one of the big questions that everybody was talking about. I was like, when, when's the first goalie going to go? When's the first goalie going to go? Mm-hmm. And I actually had a conversation with, uh, with NHL Network about this. They were sort of polling a whole bunch of people saying, you know, trying to get a, a consensus. Um, and the consensus was most people thought it was going to be sort of in that mid third round range. Round, yeah. um, ultimately the Sabres ended up taking line in a lot higher, uh, probably yeah. because they liked him probably because they didn't think that there was another goalie worth drafting in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably because they thought that there were some teams in that range that, you know, we're going to take him if they didn't, right? So it comes, as, it becomes a situation where this is a player that you like and believe in. Um, you know, you got to jump on them early, especially for in a weaker goaltending year. If you think this is the only goalie that maybe has the potential to be a starter with Linen, the big thing is that sort of size um, and how the athleticism sort of grows into his body. Um, I think that there is some room for improvement with his agility and his his lateral quickness. I think mm-hmm. that he's already, you know, a pretty solid uh, tracker of the play. I think he, he's fairly technically sound. Um, it's just finding a way to sort of improve uh, his overall athleticism um, so mm-hmm. that he can be a little bit more aggressive in the crease um, and be a little bit more consistent. So it, it, he'll be an interesting one to, to watch in, in Finland. Uh, I wonder, you know, if at some point they, they try to figure out a, a spot for him to play if he's not getting the time in, in Finland, you know, maybe mm-hmm. that – uh, you know, he's an import selection. The Finnish goalies yep. have been coming over to, you know, um, the OHL, to the CHL, the USHL, to college um, in recent years. So um, that, that, you know, maybe that's a route that they look at for him uh, if he's not getting the sort of development that they like in Finland. All right. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, to hammer your point home, you uh, the next goalie went 20 picks and then there wasn't another one until 102. So uh, they must have seen something they liked, and then no one saw anything else for a little bit. But uh, yeah, that, and that's I mean, great, the thing yeah. with Buffalo too is that they've got such a good crop of goaltending prospects already, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it can be a situation where you know this was a player that they thought had the best potential in that spot, and mm-hmm. you know, with Devin Levi and and Eric Portillo already sort of in you know, in their system, uh, mm-hmm. gives them an opportunity to sort of take a chance on somebody like Island. Mm-hmm. No, that, that makes sense. So thanks for that. Yeah. So my last question to kind of close things off, where do you think this draft, again, it's kind of a subjective question. Like, where do you think this draft ranks up to past drafts? I feel like the gold standard for NHL drafts is the 2003 one, but maybe in terms of like the past 10 years or whatever, like, where do you think does it rank highly or more lowly or like, and the kind of the same thing, like what, like Connor Bedard, where does he match up to like, Connor McDavid and like Austin Matthews. Yeah, I mean, uh, 2003 is the gold standard, right? We're going to obviously compare mm-hmm. any sort of draft that we think is a good one to, to that. 
Um, and I think it, it right now it looks like it, it could hold up. I mean, this draft looks like the best one in, in years. Um, and it starts at the very top. Like you said, we've got Bedard, who I do think is, is a generational talent. I know we said that about Shane Wright for, for many years. And, and that did, well, jury's still out. But he's looking more likely to be sort of a, a solid long-term NHLer and not somebody we would consider in that sort of McDavid, Austin Matthews, Sidney Crosby uh, level. Um, but I do think Bedard can, can be in that level. I think that he's going to be one of the better players in the NHL for, for many years. Um, and uh, it all starts with him. I think it just depends on the number of sort of high-end guys that develop around Bedard for this draft, right? Because mm-hmm. not only are you looking at a draft and judging its strength based on its depth, um, but you're also looking at high-end talent, right? So if Adam Fantilli has a fantastic year at Michigan – uh, if Mishkov plays really well in, in the KHL, if Zach Benson, you know, is one of the scoring leaders in the WHL, um, you know, if Braden Yeager is right up there as well, if some of these guys really elevate their play and, and make themselves known to be potential NHL superstars, you know, you're looking at, uh, you know, definitely a draft that can hold up to 2003. Yeah. Um, so that's it. I don't see you guys have anything else to add. No, uh, I got all my questions out. I'm looking forward to the 2023 draft. And yeah, I, I, think, I think the think, OHL is going to be fun to watch. Or, yeah, I, I'm really looking for, honestly, I'm probably going to be paying attention more to prospects this year than my actual hockey team. So I'm actually really <laughs> looking forward for this draft. And again, like the Blackhawks sold off their players, but if there's going to be a year to do it, it's definitely this one. I'm really looking forward to see how this unfolds and maybe we can have you on to talk about it again because i think even like within the next like few months or so like once it's november december we're going to see a lot of change so yeah yeah absolutely i would love to yeah yeah might be my pleasure yeah so yeah thanks brock for coming on Uh, whenever we have like prospect people on like we've had on will scouch before chris peters they just scott wheeler as well they just i'll say this they know their shit so we always love having it having them on having you guys on so again i appreciate you coming on even with your with your power going out <laughs> yeah sorry about that i don't know I oh don't that. even worry about it yeah not great uh, anyway hopefully it gets back up soon and uh yeah thanks for coming on enjoy the rest of your day yeah i appreciate thanks. it thank you you too of course take care man